My brother showed up at my door last month with a stack of 70s-era Playboy magazines that he'd come across on the street outside my apartment. Freelance journalist, Jess Klein. I find the history of popular magazines fascinating, so he correctly figured the Playboys would make a welcome addition to my personal library. So Jess, you received this box of magazines. More like a stack. Well, like yeah. more of a stack, all right. <laughs> so what happened? Um, well, I mean, I was reading through them. I was wary because I was like, they were found on the streets of New York. They might be infested with who knows what. <laughs> but right. you could uh, be bringing bed bugs in at any second. Yeah, which is a terrifying thought. But I was like, it's worth it. These are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was in college, actually, my friend lived in a house where it seemed like they came with the house. There were a bunch of old 70s and 80s Playboys, and I remember them just being really cool to look at. So mm-hmm. I was excited about this. Um, And I was flipping through it, and I was like, wow, these ads are surprisingly beautiful. There's so much text. Um, People must have had amazing attention spans before the internet. (laughs) Um, But then I actually started to read some of the articles, and I was just really – I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was really horrified by the way that the magazine, written entirely by male authors except for some female fiction writers thrown in there, um, how they referred to women, Hmm. just objectified to a level I just really didn't imagine was ever okay, which was mm-hmm. silly of me to think because obviously, like, conceptually, I know that that's true. <laughs> but, right. It's like, what else is new? <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, I, again, shouldn't have been surprised, but I was just really horrified I was reading it. They were, um, oh, there was one article about, like, Jewish food, and they said, like, you know, and later in the magazine, you'll be introduced to another kind of Jewish dish, and it was some, like, famous oh Jewish woman or whatever. So. All right. Uh, so in front of me, I see this nondescript plastic bag <laughs> sitting right next yeah. to your beverage. We're keeping the bed bugs contained. <laughs> I take it these are the magazines. These are, and we have the August issue on top. If you want to, oh yeah, this is the one right from look. the piece. Yep. Uh, to to describe it, um, hold on. It definitely smells like old magazine and it's like it's, it's a smell that i do miss like yeah. you know from like and they're heavy right they're yeah this is heavy. a heavy magazine so like looking at this one i'm i'm looking at the august 1970s um issue right now and it is a photo of a woman um holding her bikini top in a sand in 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 essentially sand um <laughs> You got footprints all around her, and she's covering up her breasts with her arm. Um, a Footprint, wild footprint shaped like the Playboy Bunny. You know, I didn't catch that. <laughs> Clever. It's, it's subtle, yeah. Clever. <laughs> all right, and um, a, a peek into one side. Um, a wild pictorial on Myra Breckenridge, an interview with Dr. Paul Ekelrich. Eckrich and bunnies of 1970. Yeah, that interview, that one's about climate change. And that was funny because it's oh, kind of like saying the same things we're hearing now. It's like mm. we haven't, surprise, haven't made much progress there. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah, this is the, um, this looks to be the um, article that you uh, heavily referenced in the piece. Um, judging by, you know, flipping through and seeing all the uh, post-it notes that you have in here <laughs> yeah. and recognizing the images that you made there. Um, so, like, of course you came across, like, these objectifications of women, and um, and this was all underneath the leadership of Hugh Hefner, correct? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, founder, um, controversial owner of Playboy. Um, I'm particularly curious to chat with you about um, one article that you pointed out in the piece, um, and it was titled, Just Slip This Into Her Drink. Um, what was going on in that article? 
Um, well, it was, it was supposed to be an article about aphrodisiacs. Um, so, you know, just ways for people to ideally consensually get in the mood. But it turned out the tone very much wasn't that. Mm. Um, the tone was really how do you – oh, let me see if I can actually find that one line. Oh, yeah. So there was something – there's a line. It was with one possible aphrodisiac, PCPA, and the author concludes, in short, PCPA is not a feasible drug with which to ply one's inhibited girlfriend. So you obviously don't really want to think about an aphrodisiac as something you ply someone with to, like, right. get them to, you know, basically be willing to have sex with you. Consent should be there to begin with. And then basically the um, – the thesis, I guess, if you will, of the article was, oh, just use good old-fashioned alcohol. Just get her drunk. Then her inhibitions will be lowered and, like, you're good to go. Wow. And it's wild because, like, you, you know, you, you, you're telling me about this article and immediately I thought about Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Like, is, so did I. <laughs> is there, like, a – well, obviously, like, there's a connection as in both um, – with slipping of items into women's drinks, but is there a connection particularly between this article and Bill Cosby? Um, yeah, I mean, not super directly, mm-hmm. but um, so this mag- this is an issue from 1970, and 1970 is, I think, um, in chronologically speaking, um, not in the order of which the allegations came out, but, mm-hmm. you know, chronologically, the second allegation um, against Bill Cosby took place in 1970, um, and it was by, I think, a then-aspiring actress, Autumn Burns, I think mm-hmm. that's correct. Um, she basically um, alleged that Cosby... Um, took her up to her his hotel room in Vegas and um, slipped something into her drink and raped her. <laughs> um, so that happened that year. And then there's also the tie between Hugh Hefner and Bill Cosby. They were, you know, they were kind of pals. And, you know, right. Cosby hung around the Playboy Mansion. I think I even read somewhere that there was some room um, during the Playboy Mansion tour where it's like, oh, this was Bill Cosby's room for a few months wow. or something. <laughs> Like he had his own room. Um, yeah. I mean, mm. again, I only kind of vaguely remember reading this somewhere, but right, I, right, I believe right. it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then in 2008, there was another assault allegation against Bill Cosby um, from a woman who at the time was just 17 years old. And um, she also filed a separate lawsuit against Hugh Hefner because um, she basically said he was complicit in this alleged assault where he basically suggested she go have a drink with Cosby, mm. even though, you know, he, he knew Cosby well at that point um, and also you know she was 17 not that age should matter but like that still is very bad <laughs> right and like a lot of these magazines that you pointed on a piece this was like pretty much in like the decade of the 70s mm-hmm. that you decided to focus on um, what else was happening in the world during this time? Like, what was swirling around in the cultural landscape while these magazines were out? Yeah, well, the feminist movement was just kind of starting. Um, there were, this was a time when rape shield laws were first kind of coming into existence. Um, those were the laws that prevent, during a rapist trial, they're the laws that prevent um, um, the victim survivor being asked about their sexual history. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when people also first started fighting for um, spousal rape to be a crime, which sadly wasn't recognized as a crime in all 50 states until 1993. Um, Man, so very, <laughs> very recent. Yeah. So, it you know, that was a fight that took decades. Um, but... Yeah, so that was kind of happening. And at the same time, Hugh Hefner, or at this time, Hugh Hefner kind of thought 
and in a sense was on the side of feminists. It's, you know, it's he had a complicated relationship with feminists, as, you know, many people have written about. Um, but one of the things he did was Playboy published some um, accounts of women who'd had to, who underwent illegal, traumatizing illegal abortions. Mm. Um, so he was kind of shedding light on the issue of, um, you know, women's right to choose. So that was pretty important. And he also kind of saw the, Playgirl, I guess, as someone who was an equal with the playboy. Mm. They both like wanted sex without commitments, whatever. So he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm advocating for women's rights with like, you know, this giant blind spot that he was treating them like objects the mm. whole time. So do you personally feel like it was um, like kind of a ploy in a way? Like you mentioned that, and I immediately um, recently in the news, there was this uh, this guy who like, created this company i believe it's called like feminist apparel or something of that nature and then he ended up being founded for in fact like um like sexual misconduct and everything so um, not surprising yeah so it's just like do you feel like it it was honest um or it's just like kind of like hey see i really care you know i honestly don't know i feel like it's one of those things where like so Another aspect of this is there have also been, you know, allegations against Hugh Hefner that he was domestically abusive to his sort of, I guess, harem, people like to call them, of mm -hmm. girlfriends. Um, and I did read Holly Madison's book that was um, – Man, it's a long title. <laughs> uh, it's like down, down the rabbit down the rabbit hole. She was a star of um, the Girls Next Door, which was a show about her and two other of Hugh Hefner's um, girlfriends. I made mm. air quotes; you can't see. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it just basically detailed their lives as like you know Playboy bunnies living in the mansion, being Hugh Hefner's girlfriends. Mm. Um, so she basically, after she left the show, she came out with this sort of memoir tell-all um, talking about her time there. And it didn't paint Hugh Hefner in the most favorable light. Mm. So, I mean, today, Playboy is still an active publication. You know, there's still articles online. You can still get the magazine, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, like, I think so. So there was a thing a few years ago about, um, oh, we're not going to show nudes anymore because, like, we've mm -hmm. moved beyond that. And then they kind of backtracked and we're like, no, 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 we're going to mm -hmm. show nudes. So how active is, um, like, the publication's history in, like, Playboy's current works? Like, how, like, this history of Playboy, which is literally sitting in front of us, um, you know, this <laughs> is what, it, what it's known for, um, nudes, you know, essentially. Like, how active is that history in the Playboy of today? I mean, there's still, you know, there are nudes again <laughs> now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if you go on the website, they're sort of at the very bottom. There are a list of kind of like main or trending topics. And, you know, a few of them will be women who are, you know, posing in the magazine or maybe sort of like the hottest woman of today. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but it also is kind of trying to do what Hefner originally tried to do in terms of being you know, feminist and forward thinking and things like that. They, uh, Playboy covered, um, it covered Me Too, you know, pretty extensively. It's hard mm -hmm. not to. Um, and it publishes pieces from people with all kinds of different perspectives. One of the women who I talked to for this piece, um, Dr. Chantal Tibbles, sorry if I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, she has some pieces that she wrote for Playboy.com that are sort of, um, you know, very pro-women, um, 
talk they talk about um, you know so they sort of look at the sex industry in a complicated light. Um, it's about empowering sex workers, things like that that are you know very progressive, forward thinking issues. Um, but then at the same time, it's hasn't totally escaped its sort of Hefner-esque legacy. Right. Wherein, you know, some of the, one of the Me Too articles that disturbed me that I found, it was a study that was done that I found published um, or, you know, talked, reported on in multiple men's publications um, was about how in the Me Too era, women should only approach men for a day or like, let's try it so that men never approach women anymore and women only approach men, hmm. which is, you know, problematic and <laughs> A number of ways, but right. the the main thesis there is like, okay, so like um, all these men are have um, you know sexually assaulted, harassed women. So in order to solve this problem, let's put the onus on women. Mm-hmm. Let's have women change their behavior and just like let men you know sit back and not try and change theirs. Mm. Yeah, and and all of that seems to be like the cloud that kind of hovers over your um, your piece here. Um, and I just couldn't help but just like wonder because like, you know, Playboy has been around for so long and essentially like you make the argument that Playboy has created our or, or kind of like showed us what the current culture is going to become. Um, so, you know, of course, thinking back to me too, how connected do you think Playboy is in influencing the men that have committed these crimes? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the um, the Trump aspect there where, um, mm-hmm. you know, President Trump, um, I'm just going to leave out the descriptors. Right. <laughs> but um, he was on the cover in 1990 and he like still brags about it to this day. Basically, he says like, oh, I'm the one of the few men to only ever be on the cover. I mean, you know how he is. He's just like... Mm-hmm you know, spouting whatever kind of accomplishment he thinks he has times a million. And for him, that was one of the big ones. (laughs) And it's not surprising that, like, you know, the grab him by the pussy president is, like, so, um, you know, excited about being on the, having been on the cover of Playboy. Meanwhile, um, Hugh Hefner's son, Cooper Hefner, um, says that, like, that cover with Trump on it is now one of his greatest embarrassments. Um, I Um, think he was quoted in a Washington Post article saying that, maybe multiple places even. Um, But, I mean, it's telling that, you know, people like um, Trump and Bill Cosby were so connected to Hugh Hefner and the whole sort of world of Playboy and so sort of influenced or like maybe bedazzled by the whole idea of like the Playboy mansion and being a Playboy that like they were also these people who – um, you know, in Trump's case, admitted to assaulting women and Bill Cosby's case have just like all these allegations against him and now a guilty verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like the publication was definitely sort of a point of pride for those kind of men to be have a connection with it or a connection with the Playboy empire. Hmm. Um, and I think that's definitely playboy definitely doesn't have that kind of cloud today at least i don't assume so for Mm. you know young men who want to be like like i don't know like (laughs) young straight men who want to be cool like i don't think it's like oh yeah i got a playboy under my bed (laughs) like (laughs) like the playboy app on my phone i don't know um so do you do you feel that like decades later and 
now with Me Too, you know, still occurring to this date, do you feel that Playboy has learned from its mistakes? Um, I, I think that's hard to say. <laughs> I think it's definitely trying to appeal to a wider audience base and appeal to the current moment because it has to survive, you know, mm. like any publication, especially one that used to be print adapting to the online world. I right. think that's like there are a lot of challenges there and, you know, publishers are making a lot of concessions in that sense, um, regardless of what kind of those concessions are. I think in Playboy, it definitely has to be about being more progressive is kind of a tired word. I don't know like <laughs> what a better one is, but appealing more to the sort of general sensibility of people who are, you know, the main readership, whatever. Yeah, I think it has to adapt. And I think it's trying to publish more perspectives and it's serving as a platform that's, um, you know, it still has its old readership, I assume, at least to some extent. So if um, Playboy is able to publish more of these sort of forward thinking um, voices that aren't just sort of, you know, the trumps of the past, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, then they're doing good if they can expose sort of a more I don't know, old fashioned readership mm. to these kind of more progressive, again, that word, but it's right. the best I can do ideas, then that's a good thing. Do you feel they ever could shed this image? Um, yeah, I think people um, as time goes, and that's like less a benefit to them right. and more a knock on like people not really thinking about things historically so much. You know, like I imagine there are things that I read now where I'm just like, oh, this is what this, is what this publication is at face value today without really realizing what it was like. Mm -hmm. Like I recently took, not that I'm a big Vogue reader, my old roommate used to get the subscription, but, um, you know, I would read those issues. And then um, I recently went to the library and like took out a big Vogue, the covers book. And so looked at the whole history of Vogue. And I was like, oh, I had no idea that Vogue started off as this kind of like, um, I, I didn't realize it was as old that it went back to the 1800s. It had like these mm. hand-drawn cover. You know, I just, I was ignorant of the publication's history. Right. So it was easy for me to see it one way without knowing about the history. Um, but, you know, Playboy for anyone who does have the knowledge of what it was, I think it's going to be very hard to shed that image, especially if it continues to, you know, another issue with the Me Too coverage. There was another article that was written that was kind of um, about a, um, like a self-proclaimed groupie and someone interviewed her and was like, hey, in light of Me Too, how do you feel about all these experiences that you had when you were a groupie? Like, were they problematic, et cetera, et cetera? Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, she just, she totally owned it. And that's great. That's so much better than her, like coming to terms all these years later of, oh, I was assaulted. Like that, that would be horrible if that was the case for her. So like, right. I'm very happy that that was the narrative. But to me, it read as Playboy trying to kind of change a conversation and just kind of like, again, blind eye towards like the bad things that happen when, when women are objectified and instead being like no no this is the playgirl the fun playgirl who like mm. doesn't need commitments and just wants sex for fun and that's cool and like you know if that does happen that is cool but you can't ignore that that's at a that comes at a cost and um, exists in a, con a larger context of women being objectified and abused etc. That was freelance journalist Jess Klein. Thanks, Jess. Oh, thank you. Um, how can people find you? You can find me at my website, jlklein, K-L-E-I-N dot com, um, or on Twitter at admin klein. 
The Outline World Dispatch is produced and hosted by me, James D. Green. Today's music is courtesy of APM, and our theme is by the fantastic John Lagomarsino. I'm James C. Green. See you later. <laughs>